welcome to a very special edition of The Driving Podcast. I'm your host, Lorraine Sommerfeld. I'm calling this, What Do You Want to See in 2023? And in a bit of a year-end twist, I'm joined by not one, not two, but three of my Driving.ca wonderful colleagues. We're doing an Anything Goes episode. I'm with Clayton Seams, writer, photographer, and video dude extraordinaire. Matthew Guy, who you know is the Truck Guy podcast host. He does a lot of things really well. And Andrew McCready, our left coast editor and all-around electric expert and the host of the Plugged In podcast. Welcome, everybody. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Hey, Lorraine. Thank you so much. Usually what we do is we have a topic and an expert. We're mixing it up a little bit because, you know what, we, we want to have some fun with this. So what I want to ask you, at the end of 2022, it's been a miserable year in a lot of ways. Hopefully next year will be better. But we're just going to have some fun with the whole topic of driving and cars. And I am going to start with you, Clayton, Hello. because you're new to this. Hello. You're driving in the daytime on a highway. Name one thing that you are yelling. I'm yelling for lane discipline, usually. You know, people love the, – the left lane is the most scenic. It's closest to the median. It has the smallest shoulder. I get it. It's a great place to camp. But, uh, you know, having traveling in other countries, it's uh, it's weird. that it, In some places, it's called the passing lane, and they would, they would travel faster in the left lane. Newfoundland weighing in. Matthew, you're on the highway. What do you see? What's making you the most crazy? I'm yelling, watch out for that moose. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever other animal creature decides to make itself known at the least convenient time. <laughs> okay, I don't know who that is laughing, but Andrew, it's your turn. You're out in beautiful British Columbia. What are you yelling on the highway? Well, we have moose here, but I have never seen one on the highway, so I'll defer to my East Coast friend for that one. Mine is, is the classic, you know, nobody signaling, uh, weaving in and out. The weaving in and out really gets me, right? Because a lot of times, especially in, in stop and go traffic, you get these drivers that continue to switch one lane and then switch back. And, you know, by the end of the thing, you're typically sitting right beside them again. So uh, it's amusing in a way, but it, it sometimes does get to me and I do yell something now and then. The scariest thing I ever see on the highway is reverse lights. I want to tell people, if you miss your exit, you can get from here to there. Please trust me. You can go to the next one and circle back. So the scariest thing in the world, other than a hockey gear bag, that scared me once, is reverse lights. Okay. Matthew, I'm going to ask you this one first. You're driving in the city. Name one thing you're yelling in the city at night. At night. Well, since I'm rapidly becoming a knackered old goat and can't see anything, I'm yelling, why don't they make the street sign font larger so I can find the street that I'm looking for? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect answer. Andrew, what about you? Well, I, I'll, you know, Matthew's younger than me, so I feel kind of old now. But um, <laughs> for me, for me, what it is, you know, if you've ever been out in Vancouver in the winter, we have very short daylight hours. Um, the rain is horrendous at times. What I'm yelling is, why are you bleeping wearing all black? Everybody out here in their blue lemons and their black tops and black hats, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, every now and then you'll see somebody with a bit of fluorescent on, but that's the one that gets me. It just it drives me nuts. And on occasion, I've come very close to hitting people because of that. That's pretty scary. Clayton, yeah. you're in Toronto, another, another landscape again. What are you thinking at night? I'm trying to figure out if that light in the distance is a lighthouse or a traffic light would be my first thought. <laughs> um, aside from that, uh, you know, I'm in a 
constant battle with people with that drive around with DRLs. I'll see them with an extremely bright dashboard lighting up their face like a studio inside and no brake lights, no cares. You know, I kind of envy them in a way. It just seems like a more relaxing way to go. If you just don't care about your lights, you know, it seems like a more carefree, easy way to go. I mean, you go into a tree, but. (laughs) Clayton's beef is my beef. And my second part of that, is a lot of people say if they don't remember to put their lights on and just put on your whole headlight harness all the time, it's just easier. But if you think that makes you smarter than everybody else, some people go, they shouldn't be driving. Well, it might be your kid. It could be a valet turned it off or a mechanic. So help the people in your life and tell them about the right setting for their headlights. Okay. That's my lesson for the day. I promise I'll stop. Can I, can I just add something there? I think we need to re, we need to re-educate the public when you flash lights at them. That means, well, it could mean there's a cop up ahead, but, you know, old school, it meant your lights weren't on. And, you know, yeah. on a number of occasions, I flash my lights and people don't have a clue what that means. So I don't know if that's another sign of age. Matt, Matt do they do that out east? Is that a thing? That is a thing, actually. Yes. Okay. Okay. Clayton, you see that in the city in Toronto? Is that still part part of what people understand when they're driving? Uh, I see a little bit of it, but, you know, honestly, I, I see different styles of driving from all over in the city. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very politely put, Clayton. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Clayton, if you can invent a new hand signal, we have certain hand signals. One is used more often than most, I think. If you can invent a new signal, what would it be and what would it be for? Like, Why? I think I'm going to break your question, honestly. I think that as a person that drives very old vehicles without oftenly uh, working turn signals, I, I wish I want people to relearn left and right uh, turn signals, especially when I'm on a bicycle sometimes, you know, left uh, signal and right signal out your hand. I'll be, but most people just think I'm pointing to a direction. <laughs> no, that's, that's a signal for I'm turning right. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, most people don't need, hand signals, but I think it would be great to make that a little bit more reinforced so we could actually use hand signals because sometimes it's not your fault and your taillight won't work and you will want a signal for a turn and the guy behind you is going to be like, ah, he's waving at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's an excellent point. Matthew, what about you? New hand signal. What's it going to be? There's got to be something for when you're going through a crowded parking lot and, and a person is walking towards their car and you want to ask them, are you actually leaving your space or are you putting stuff I love in that. <laughs> going back? So something along those lines. <laughs> I love that. Andrew, what about you? So just, Matt, what would that be? Oh, um, probably Ooh. unmentionable on a family podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> something can... pointing outwards. Some, yeah. Somehow. <laughs> okay. With a, maybe maybe a shrug, a a shrug, shrug emoticon or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would That's work. a question. Yeah. Andrew, so, you? yeah, for me, um, yeah, those are good ones. So I'm always perplexed when people are um, opening their car doors when you're driving along. You know, they, they just, <laughs> they don't look in their mirrors. They open it. I mean, if you're on a bike, that can be a lethal situation, but I've had some close calls. So, I want to. I want a signal when I pull up beside them after they've opened it, and I need a hand signal to tell them I'm not happy. And obviously, as you said, there is a hand signal that universal, but I'd like something that more implies the door or something, or you could have just died or something like that. I, I like to see people. I think it's called the Dutch door open, where you use your right hand to open the door. 
We're talking so about the, the Dutch puppet- door open? I thought this was a family podcast. <laughs> Stop it, you. No, but if you open it with your right hand, then you you have to turn and see if there's somebody there so you don't door them. I like to see more respect for cyclists and pedestrians in general, which I'm yeah. always losing commenters over anyway, which is fine. I would like a sign that is like an applause sign when someone parallel parks really well. I want to let them know they did an amazing job because, you know, you're full of pride. You're so happy. You look around thinking, did anyone see that? It's like, no, they only see it when you mess it up. So I would really like to tell people, good job. Like, yeah. I think that would be something like that. We could use more of that. Okay, we're going to move along. Can uh, We could start with anybody. Let's start with Andrew. Um, what traffic charge do you think is laid too often? Is there anything well, you hate overkill? Is, is parking a charge? <laughs> Absolutely. Because parking drives me nuts, right? I mean, we all have the anecdotal story where it's a minute or two past the time. And I get it that we have to have parking rules and regulations, but parking tickets just drive me crazy. Just drive me crazy. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a funding for municipalities, so I get all that. But the the parking ticket, the parking ticket, yeah, the parking ticket really gets to me. And maybe maybe if you do get one, instead of it being really expensive, if you pay it in you know, two or three days, it's like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. Little, That's my smack. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Clayton, what about you? Uh, I think for me, it would definitely be jaywalking. Uh, you know, most people don't realize that, you know, before the car, you know, pedestrians had equal right in the road. And actually the term jaywalking as we use it today was coined by, um, automobile makers in the 1920s to kind of demonize uh, people walking in the road and always put the walking person at at fault. So I would like to see fewer jaywalking charges. I think it is a made up crime. I love that. How about you, Matthew? I agree with Andrew with the um, parking situations because it's just something that that, someone once told me that um, a parking ticket is just a receipt for premium parking. (laughs) And I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's some truth no to that kidding. no i agree yeah. i agree with the parking i have one this is the only time i'm going to get political and it's only in ontario i think we should stop busting people for not having their license stickers renewed because you have to renew them but you don't have to pay i think the way this was rolled out is a bunch of dog food and it really bothers me it's very confusing for people and i'm not going to stay on this soapbox for very long but i think it's really unfair to do an invisible thing and then nail somebody hundreds of dollars for it and i'm going to stop talking now because we all know this will not end well (laughs) okay staying on charges um traffic charges that aren't aren't used enough i'm going to go first stop signs start ticketing people rolling and blowing off stop signs oh my god pedestrians and cyclists they got to be psychic or they're dead so my first my thing is sit there and make a ton of money no one uses stop signs okay clayton you can go next i mean the traffic charge is not late enough is because it's it's very difficult to and that would be a distracted driving charge it's very easy to sit by the side of the road with a radar gun and tell someone they're going too fast it's very difficult to prove categorically that somebody was on their phone while they were driving and they shouldn't be distracted driving is extremely dangerous uh but it's harder to police and and so i i hope that we could come up with a system in which we could lay more distracted driving charges and just and uh make it a less convenient uh, proposition for people trying to text and do whatever they're doing while they're driving well put matthew what what do you think this might be unique to certain pockets of the country but 
sometimes people are too nice in traffic. Like if there's <laughs> if there's two lanes and someone's waving you out, and there's oh. still cars coming the other way, and, and we run into that daily up here. And I'm glad to live in a town where that is a quote unquote problem, right? Where that is <laughs> it's, we've seen, and I'm sure we've all seen accidents, right? Yeah, <laughs> of that of that type. So if someone's surprising me in traffic, this probably shouldn't happen like that. So. Yeah, be be predictable. Well, and also people should know. Here's the insurance hack going on. If you wave somebody out and they get in a collision, you can be held. It's for real. Yeah, yeah. So that can go against you. So you know what, Matthew's absolutely right. Be predictable. Don't be nice. Andrew, what do you think out there in BC? What do you- well, mine is kind of inverse in terms of Clayton's and that is very easy to enforce um, and that's pedestrian crosswalks. Um, <laughs> the number of cars that just totally see somebody standing there or even a few steps in and still blow by, it drives me crazy. That's, I mean, it's, it's beyond dangerous and it's just so such a sense of car entitlement that it just, so we put cameras in all these uh, just put a camera there and just have it activated when the person has pressed the button to get the lights flashing to cross and then just, you know, have that some kind of AEI that tells if a car has gone through there before the person's crossed. That one is just one. And I saw one yesterday that was frighteningly close. And um, yeah, just that's, that's the be- one that, that I really, really want something done on. I always thought that photo radar and photo everything was an absolute cash grab. And I used to write about that. I have totally changed my mind. The only way to stop people doing this stuff is to find them and have them caught every time. You're right. That kind of leads us into my next question for all of you. Infotainment systems. That word is the most atrocious word in the English language. (laughs) And it is in the English language now. I looked. Ugh, I hate it. Anyway, distractions. Clayton, Andrew, you both mentioned it, that it's a real problem. Whose fault is this? Is this manufacturers? Is this drivers? Matthew, what do you think? Um, I mean, if, if you give a, a kid a toy, they are likely to play with it, you know? Um, <laughs> but kids also ask for toys. So you wonder if it's like a snowball chicken and the egg type thing. And I remember a interview somewhere where one of the manufacturers said, well, you know, we're offering this because so-and-so is offering the same. So we have to offer it too. And then it snowballs from there. So if you took out all the infotainment systems, there would be a lot less distraction for sure. Oh, no kidding. Clay- yeah. Clayton, you drive the oldest cars I've ever seen in my life, just about. Um, <laughs> what do you think of current infotainment systems? I mean, whenever we talk about whose fault, like this is dangerous. Is it the car maker? Is it the, you know, whose fault is this? I think it always goes back to the government, which provided a regulatory structure in which the automakers were allowed to make the car. I mean, obviously, if people want a cell phone in their dashboard, the car maker is not going to not do it on moral grounds. They're going to put little guards on it and you can only use it under X speed and so on. But, you know, ultimately the, the, the failure for creating that system would lie with the government that made the structure possible. Um, I do think that infotainment systems are good. I think you get into a blurry area with some that lock out at speed, but I'm driving with a passenger. Can my passenger input an address? That seems safe to me, but the system is is locked. Um, and then there's other blur areas like, you know, when you talk about Apple CarPlay, it's my phone on a screen, which is legal. But if I have my phone in my hand, with the same system, that is illegal. So there's definitely a blurry line. Uh, but I think we're starting to see uh, information prioritized systems with larger icons that can be used safe, more safely at speed. Cars have always had interior controls. They were just simpler, you know, um, 
you know, for example, you know, GM slider heater controls on heating and stuff. And so I think that we've always had kind of controls in cars, but I think it's time to look at them with a renewed focus on reducing distraction while integrating the functions that people really can't do without anymore. I hate going through three levels of screens to turn on my butt warmer. That makes me crazy. Andrew, what do you think about infotainment systems? Well, I, I feel the same way about all the submenus and things. Um, there are good ones. There are bad ones, just like in anything in a, in a car. Um, personally, I mean, give me the radio. Give me the climate controls. Give me the nav if I'm going somewhere. Other than that, you know, I don't want to see. I mean, these ones where, especially in EVs, where it's showing you how the vehicle is charging or where the battery is is being used and things. I mean, that it, it's 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 one of those things. Just because you can do it doesn't mean it's a good idea. But we've kind of had this headlong rush in the last 20 years to just cram as much of that kind of stuff into a car as possible. And I think it's the manufacturers just trying to have more bells and whistles. Um, you know, the three of us and Lorraine yourself, we all sit through presentations and more and more, very little of that presentation is dedicated to things like powertrains and suspension systems. Mostly it's about the connectivity of a vehicle, the infotainment. So um I don't know if, if everybody who buys a car is sold on that. Certainly some people are, but I think in the, in the long run, I think it's manufacturers just trying to out bell and whistle each other. I think we hear all the time about how there's always been distractions in cars, eating and drinking and things. I had a, oh, the, the original minivan, the uh, 70, oh, what year was it? No, the 84 Chrysler minivan. You know what the cup holders were? There was a little flat spot up on the dash with two little rings. They were about an eighth of an yeah. inch of a depression, yeah. and that was the cup holder. So I was <laughs> saving coffees, like, all the time, and... I was there, though. Like, it wasn't looking at a screen. It was catching something. And, I mean, that's bad. I shouldn't have been doing that. Yelling at my kids in the car. We've all done that. Remember heat pouring out of the dash? Clayton, you're probably more familiar with this more lately. But um, I remember as a kid, you know, heat, smoke would be coming out. The distractions were right there in your face, literally. Like, they were your passengers. It wasn't your phone ringing. It was your passenger or your kid yelling. So I think We've always had distractions, but they've definitely changed. And these ones are just too embedded. I, I just, it makes me crazy. Okay, I'm going to flip, flip all the way over here for a second. I think we're road trippers by nature in Canada and sometimes by necessity. It's a massive country. It's a beautiful country. We're going into times where taking trips for no reason. Um, I still want to do it. I love doing it. There's different ways to do it. So, Matthew, Let's say you have one last road trip in Canada. Where are you going to go and what are you going to drive? I would like to explore a lot more out in the West where Andrew is, <clears throat> hopefully in some good weather and hopefully in something that can handle. So some sort of sports car, um, you know, going up through the mountains. And that's a, that's a scene that we don't get out here in the East. So that would be, that would be my pick in the mountains out West in a sports car. Clayton, how about you? You're my favorite road trip partner, by the way. We've had so much fun, Clayton and I. It's like it's like being with a kid who likes me. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've we've taken a lot of great road trips through uh, Texas and parts of Louisiana and New Orleans. Uh, but if I had to pick a Canadian road trip, I've actually driven across Canada a few times, and uh, I think I would want to go somewhere wild. I'm based out of Toronto, and I would really like to drive right up all the way to. Um, the border of Ontario with Manitoba to a place called um, uh, to a Tomahawk Island lighthouse. That would be fun. That's the most uh, <laughs> northernmost Ontario lighthouse. I think a drive takes you all along 
the edges of Lake Huron and Superior. I think that would be a very nice drive into a very wild part of the province in which very few people go. I might go there this summer. That sounds amazing. Clayton collects lighthouses, people. That's his thing. It's really cool. Andrew, road trip. You're going to come out Newfoundland way and visit Matthew? So so wait a minute. Back up there. What do you mean Clayton collects lighthouses? Like, do you have lighthouses, lighthouses in your house? Oh, okay. I thought he maybe <laughs> no, had like pic- lighthouses in his backyard or something. No, pictures of them. Okay. Just another layer of the interesting Clayton seams. So, um, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it, it's going to have to be across Canada. But the one I would do... Um, would be from Vancouver to Whitehorse on the Alaska Highway. Um, I've done it once many, many years ago, one way coming south. I would do it in a Nomad Vans. That's a company here in North Vancouver that um, converts uh, Sprinter Vans into incredible campers. Um, That's what I do. It's a beautiful highway. I take a lot of time. I take like two, three weeks to do it. Stop at all kinds of places. Laird Hot Springs. I mean, what it does is, I think the drive Clayton mentions too, Ontario. If you've grown up in Sarn or in in Vancouver or Toronto and really not explored your province, once you start going north, you'll it'll blow you away. Uh, BC in the north is so unlike even the middle of BC is is not like it. So um, that would be the trip I do, just to you know put this idea in context, though, Lorraine. You know the idea you're saying road trips are are falling out of fashion. That's mostly because of fossil fuel use, right? Burning gas mindlessly just doesn't doesn't isn't politically correct these days. However, with this recent announcement of nuclear uh, fission taking place, nuclear fusion, uh, we might have a very sustainable future when it comes to electricity in that we'll have boundless amounts of electricity. So I wouldn't go so far yet to say road trips are dead. Well, that would kill my question, though, Andrew. I know. I know. It's <laughs> such a good question. So. I know. But, you know, EV guys are EV guys are always spoil sports. So I just have to be that. My road trip. Andrew took mine. I want to oh, drive back to Whitehorse. I've done it before in an, with an RV. I would leave Ontario and I would drive something. Cool. Maybe I'll take Matthew's sports car and get out to Calgary and then switch over. But. You're absolutely right. Northern BC up to Whitehorse. We drove in and out of Alaska and Northern BC. It's the most beautiful thing. I, I can't even describe. You've got the mountains, the lakes, everything. It's so remote. It's a spectacular trip. And if you, if your kids are little and they're young enough that they don't have a vote yet, take them there. <laughs> Canada's spectacular. I also love the East Coast. I did this rafting thing. There's a near Moncton. There's just so many cool things in Canada. You don't have to leave this country to have an amazing time. Okay, I'm going to switch over once more. I don't know who to start with here. The dumbest thing you ever did as a teenage driver. Andrew, can you think back that far? (laughs) Okay, so I don't know if this is the dumbest thing, but um, (laughs) my father had a second car, which was a 74 Torino, which was a, a pretty hot muscle car. 351, four barrel, um, really cool car. So two days after I got my driver's license, I grew up in Sarnia, Ontario. And despite what a lot of people think of Sarnia, it's a beautiful place to grow up. It's got lots of beaches um, on Lake Huron, beach country. It's awesome. So what you do with a car back in the day is you drive around with all your buddies crammed in it looking for girls or driving by girls slowly because they all park at the beach. So that was called Canatera Park. So we kind of went through there and, you know, did a few laps. And that was a big deal because you're once you're driving, it's kind of like a, a rite of passage. So coming out of the park, I kind of, there were like a gaggle of girls kind of standing there. 
So I lit up the tires and kind of got the back end swaying a bit and it was fun and we're all cheering. And then two seconds later, there's a cop right behind me <laughs> get pulled over. Um, and I got a ticket. So, so I didn't think, I mean, what dangerous driving? I mean, no, the ticket I got was something, um, a noise violation. So it was the squealing of the tires was determined to be a noise violation. <laughs> 53 so bucks, which back then was a lot of money. A couple of shifts at the, uh, as a dishwasher at the keg, we're down the drain after that one. <laughs> but you look cool. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't dumb and dangerous kind of thing, but it was mostly just <laughs> dumb. I, I don't, I, I don't, I think the girls were kind of impressed though. Cause when you get cold, pulled over by a cop, you're kind of a bad guy. <laughs> That's how I always think of you, Andrew. You're the bad guy I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, dumbest thing you ever did as a teenager. <laughs> well, now that In a car. limitations have passed. Uh, <laughs> and I, I fear the list was probably far too long but um, when you're one of the first of your friends of your group of friends to get your driver's license everyone comes with you right so I mean stuffing double digit numbers of people into a 1989 Ford Escort was not the smartest idea in any way shape or form nothing happened didn't, didn't end up in the date well ended up in the ditch but for completely other reasons by myself trying to you know pretend that i'm dale earnhardt or something right avoid a moose so, right just trying just thinking that you're mario andretti but and and you're not so that would definitely be the dumbest thing totally overfilling the cars with with, with dozens of people hey, we seem to have a theme going here uh clayton how about you i mean i will say there's a lot i actually can't talk about but i've done the usual stuff jumping railroad tracks and seeing how many laps you can go around a roundabout before people notice um, but i think the <laughs> thing i did that put me in the most peril is i had to drive from uh calgary to spokane through the rockies in the winter and uh, i need to buy a car for this so i was looking at a bunch of cars trying to figure out what would be the best one for the trip and i decided that the perfect car for this would be a uh, Pontiac Firebird Formula WS6 on 245s. <laughs> and uh, it was a, I, I learned that snow chains don't fit on those tires. Um, and that was probably the closest I've come to like actual peril. It took a long time and I, there was sliding all over the place through um, Crow's Nest Pass. And looking back, that was kind of a small miracle. <laughs> and then I had to drive it all the way back. That you're here today to join us on this podcast. I'm yes, really the car glad. is not. <laughs> I I was in high school in the late seventies. I just am really dating myself, but you know, someone had to and no one did back then. But we used to go out and again, keeping with the theme that the other gentleman brought up, we'd cram everything into a car. Whoever had a license, you get into their mom's car and you go. And it would be big Parisians and like all these huge cars. And half the time there'd be house speakers, like from the speaker system of the stereo, they would put oh, yeah. them in the back and they were like three feet tall. So four of you would be crammed in between them, like a bunch of morons and the whole seatbelt thing. Sorry, mom and dad, my parents are long gone. It's the only reason we can talk about this now, but we used to head out to, it was called catching air and it's really dangerous, but the side roads North uh, it's West of Toronto, North of Burlington, where I am. And we'd be in someone's car. And I remember one time um, the windshield wipers didn't work. The kid had bought it for a dollar from a, it was in a farmer's field and he'd bought the car for a buck. And there was a piece of string tied to the windshield wipers and he'd reach out and make them work. He'd pull it once and then they'd start going. And my job was opening the beers with the seatbelt. I was 14 or 15 
I'm underage. I don't drink. But I was in charge of opening beers and handing them to the driver and everybody else. I don't know how we're not dead. And I've raised my own son saying, look, I was lucky, not smart. (laughs) Please, please, please be smarter than your mother because I was such an idiot. But we did a lot of dumb stuff. And now when we bust kids for it, it's like, yeah, they they just get busted now. We did it. We're just lucky. (laughs) There were no smartphones back then with which to take pictures of everything. Goodness. Oh, my. My university days. (laughs) Oh, that would... Oh, no, that would have just been insane. No, that wouldn't, that wouldn't happen. Um, okay, if we're going to move right off Lorraine's confession time. Um, okay, Andrew, if you can change one driver behavior, what is it? If you can just reach into every car and change the behavior of a driver, what's the one thing you wish you could change? Turn signals. 100% turn signals okay. or lack thereof. No. You know, as an anecdote, I was just in Maui last week and we had a Tesla 3 rental car and I was flabbergasted to discover it actually has turn signals in it. There's actually a stock in there that you can use to make to, I, I just assumed after years of driving in Vancouver around Tesla's that they didn't have turn signals, but <laughs> a bit of a revelation. So that's my thing. Turn signals drives me nuts. Matthew, if you could change one thing in driver behavior, what is it? Uh, turning your lights on. This was mentioned earlier, turning your lights on, especially, you know, when it's dusk and you haven't got your automatic lights on. Okay. Clayton, how about you? Uh, I think it would, if I could do anything, I would, I would like to lower the aggression level in uh, most semi truck drivers. They drive like they are behind the wheel of a nice little sports car, and the following distance that they keep are terrifying considering they, what they weigh. So I wish they would just relax a little bit. You're governed at like 62 miles an hour, anyways. Just, just relax. So, so can I say, in, in defense of big rig drivers, who I know a few of, and I've actually driven with some of them just to experience it, especially in the city, is if they do keep a gap between the car in front of them, little cars, four wheelers, as they call them, just zip in and it drives them nuts. And actually, that's actually more dangerous. So a lot of them are now learning to drive closer to cars to avoid that kind of situation, which is not a solution in itself. But that kind of explains maybe why they are tailgating or tucked up a little tighter than you think they should be, Clayton. This is a really good segue. More depth into that. (laughs) Well, this is a segue into what I want to see, which I wish people would just be a little kinder and a little Aww. more aware of. I know. I know. You know, I was going to say something like this. Kings on but Earth. You don't know what the person behind the wheel is going through, especially if they make a mistake. We don't have a sign that says, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off or something. I just wish we could kind of think maybe that person is have maybe they just got fired. Maybe their their parents sick. Maybe their kids in trouble. Be a little bit nicer to everyone else around you on the road. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Yes, there's a lot of jerks out there. I get it. Are they a jerk? Probably. I understand. But if we all just give each other a little more space, which is everything that everyone's been saying, just and not just at Christmas. Don't let people in just at Christmas because you're feeling, <laughs> you know, nice. Let, let's do this all year. Stop laughing at me. Okay. I don't know if anyone's going to have one of this for this, but Clayton, um, Road trip with your parents. Is there a memorable moment of a parent road trip that you would like to share? I mean, I just have a really nice memory. When I was a kid, we took a road trip from uh, Calgary all the way down to San Francisco. And we went through the Redwoods and through the Sequoia Forest and a bunch of national parks uh, down to Monterey Bay to see the aquarium and Alcatraz and stuff. And that was just a really nice trip. And kind of the older I get, the fewer I hear about families taking trips like that. I mean, obviously we could have flown to San Francisco. They had flights, um, 
but people taking long road trips on purpose, you know, I, I just, I feel like I hear it happening less often. And that was just a really nice trip. That was kind of my gateway drug into uh, taking long road trips. Andrew, what about you? So um, I did a few road trips with my parents, but a memorable one was with my uh, very good friend's parents. Uh, when we were both 16, his parents, we lived in Sarnia. We drove uh, down to Daytona Beach for spring break um, and camped, of all things. So they had a Peugeot station wagon, um, and we had a trailer, and the trailer was on the back end. And we were driving and Mr. Stoddart was quite pleased that I had just got my driver's license because he figured I could do some of the driving. And I mean, I'm 16. I mean, I literally had my license a month and a half or something. And uh, he drove for most of it. And then his wife drove a bit. But then we it was about midnight and we started getting into Atlanta. And I don't, even back then, Atlanta was a very, very busy roadway. And he pulls over and says, OK, Andrew, you can drive. So I'm driving and and then everybody fell asleep as soon as I started driving and I'm driving this Peugeot wagon with a trailer on the back end, which I had never done through probably three hours of blackness of Atlanta with crazy drivers, truckers. It was terrifying. I mean, I was just, it, it, it aged me. And I think as soon as we got to <laughs> Daytona beach, I slept for like a day. I was exhausted. So, uh, I always think of that trip and what Mr. Stoddart was thinking, giving me the wheel on that particular <laughs> evening. He wanted to have a nap. Matthew, no. how about you? <laughs> okay, well, stop I, laughing, Matthew. <laughs> I, I vividly remember in 1986, I mean, I was only six years old, but my parents, they had, and again, another French car building on what Andrew was saying. It was a 1984 Renault Encore that they bought secondhand the year earlier. Oh, dear. Right? And... <laughs> For whatever reason, we had to go to Toronto. I think mom was attending some sort of education thing. And so we drove, of course, right? So you've got this crowd from Newfoundland who's, and this is in the heat of the summer, who's used to, you know, pretty cool temperatures. And the, the Encore didn't have air conditioning. And I remember my parents saying that they stopped wherever Canadian Tire somewhere along the way and bought a little fan, you know, that you plug into the cigarette lighter. <laughs> And they say they could just see me lying down in the back and just a little bit of hair piff, moving every now and then, right? This poor child just sweltering in the back seat. So that's 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 a that's a decent memory, you know. Just thinking about all that stuff and probably your first time off the island and in this in this in this French car that you didn't have any air conditioning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. A small fan. We always had to go back to Saskatchewan to see my grandparents who hated us. So I don't know why we went, but we had to go back to Saskatchewan constantly and up to the cottage. But my best stuff, my parents, they both drove, but they would each tell me not to tell the other one stuff that happened. Like if mom got a speeding ticket, don't tell your father. It's like, okay, okay, okay. And all these little girls in the back seat, wide eyed going, whatever you say, mom, because she was scary back then when she got a speeding ticket. But my father, one time I'm with him, we're up north and it's just the two of us. And he pulled over and picked up a hitchhiker. Now we don't do that. Like we're not hitchhiker people, right? But my dad picked up this hitchhiker and I'm in the front seat almost under the dash, just, I'm a six or seven years old thinking, who is my father? Like, who is this man that picks up the guy looked like Jesus, right? Because this is back in the late sixties. So the guy looks like Jesus. My dad's talking away to him. It's like, that's all fine. And he takes them a few miles. The guy gets out in his sandals and his backpack goes, yeah, thanks. You know, leaves and we pull out and I'm just looking at my dad 
And all he says, he goes, do not tell your mother. I go, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so I grew up with being told not to tell the other one anything. It was great. You know, when they say don't keep secrets. Oh, hell no, not in the Summerfeld house. You keep secrets. That's that's what you're supposed to do. Andrew, I know we're going to lose you in a minute, but have you ever talked your way out of a speeding ticket? <laughs> that's hilarious, considering Clayton is on with me. So, so oh. about six months ago, Clayton and I were down in the deep south of Texas, and we were driving the new F-150 Lightning on a press event. And we were having a great day and we were driving, you know, through the through the ranch lands of, of Texas. And in the ranch lands, they're all connected by these little towns. And you don't even know there's a town there a lot of times. So sure enough, um, and the speed limits change, you know, from, from, you know, let's say 60 miles an hour down to 25 miles an hour at, in the blink of an eye. So you know where this is going. So we're going through one of these small towns. And I think I was maybe going like 35, 40, just chatting away with Clayton, figuring out what we're going to do for a video shoot. And sure enough, there's a, there's a Texas trooper in, a, in an SUV sitting right there. And sure enough, he pulls us over. And I don't know so much if I talked myself out of the ticket. Fortunately, an F-150 Lightning with two journalists had just been pulled over by him like an hour earlier. So he knew what we were doing. He didn't have all the questions about Michigan plates and all this stuff. So anyway, um, I don't know, Clayton, did I talk my way out of it? Was I just very polite? Or in the, in the end, he just gave me a warning, which was wonderful. But uh, what do you think, Clayton? Was that a was that a case of talking myself out of it? I think he talked you out of a ticket. He kind of decided it was not worth. <laughs> he saw the Canadian passports and the Michigan plates, and he saw a lot of paperwork back at the station and thought yeah. maybe this person could use a lecture <laughs> instead, which he did give you. He gave me a good monologue for about ten minutes. Wow. And uh, the, the key, the key takeaway from that was he was, he was dismayed that me being a so-called quote professional driver unquote would be doing, would be breaking laws like that. So don't you like that? We call ourselves that. Oh, well, he called me a professional driver. So <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. Clayton have that moment. Clayton and I have that moment to share. And every time we see each other, we kind of mention the professional driver. <laughs> Clayton, I'm sure if you were in Texas, they're going a hundred miles an hour down to 20, but anyway, yeah. Uh, Clayton, you ever talked your way out of a speeding ticket? No, I'm not cute. Ah, <laughs> you're darling. What are you saying? <laughs> Usually when I get pulled over for anything, the first thing they're like, is like, well, I haven't seen one of these in ages. I'm like, ah, it's really cool. Like you're still getting a ticket. I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Matthew, how about you? <laughs> ages ago when I was about 20, I guess. I mean, it was a similar thing. You know, you're, you're coming into a lower speed speed zone and and i was driving the car that i don't think it could even go as fast as they said i was going i must have been going downhill another terrible old hot <laughs> box on my past and yeah it's just oh you know just yeah i was speeding and i owned up to it i'm like D do you know why i pulled you over yes i do okay well let me tell you blah 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 so i don't know if it's so much again like andrew said is talking myself out of it as is being honest and probably frightened to death at the time <laughs> yeah do you know why I pulled you over? Scary. Yes, I did. And he said that, actually. He said, because you said yes, I know why you pulled me over. <laughs> he, he had a different approach than if I was trying to deny everything. So it's I don't know. It's a teaching moment, as they call them. Yeah, teachable moment. Exactly. Exactly. Listen, I'm going to have to leave you guys. I'm sorry. Um, thanks so much for the invite for this, Lorraine. It was a blast. And I'm, it's, it's always a pleasure to have a coast-to-coast -coast kind of talk with you guys. Have a great trip. Thanks, okay. Andrew. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye, Andrew. Bye. I am still going to tell you my speeding ticket story because I felt so terrible. Um, I don't usually get speeding tickets. 
I've had a few, but I'm driving once. I got both my kids in the back and they're little and I got pulled over like a, I don't know, a kilometer from my house, which is where they say all the bad stuff always happens. Anyway, I got pulled over and it's, it wasn't a school zone, but it was a residential zone. And I'd been yelling at the kids, of course, because they were being little brats. And the cop pulls me over. Do you know why I pulled you over? And I'm like, can you take them to jail? It's like, <laughs> anyway, he goes, well, you're, you of all people, me of all people, because I have kids. He points to the kids and he goes, I'm not going to give you a ticket this time, but you know, next time you make sure I got a 10 minute lecture the same. And I felt terrible because people are, you know, driving by waving at me because they know me because it's really close to home. He lets me go. It's fine. I'm shaky. I start going. I look in the rearview mirror. I go, do not tell your father to my kids. And that's when I realized that this generational thing was happening. <laughs> it's like, don't, don't tell anybody else. <laughs> road trip advice. Actually, this is good because uh, when people go on road trips, they often ask people like us for tips or hints on what's the best way to travel and things to do. And I remember with Clayton, we were on Route 66 and you had downloaded, I think it was Atlas Obscura onto your phone and you were very i was driving and you're very happily telling me that we are going through an area where more serial killers have dumped bodies than anywhere else in the u.s you were getting all these tidbits of information you were feeding to me and it was fascinating so if you if someone's going on a trip what's a what what are things that you would tell them to do in advance to make the most of that trip so i i think there's kind of a two-prong uh, approach here. And the first is for comfort, which is to, you know, help yourself out and bring too much water and bring too much, too many snacks, you know, bring all the things that are good to nibble on in a car, bring your granola bars, your jerky, lots of fluids, because when you're on a road trip, you just can't always predict where you'll be when you're lunch hungry and it might not be a lunch spot. So that's kind of the first thing. Uh, but more on the entertainment end, I just always, I'm just a nerd, but I, I really enjoy reading the Wikipedia pages of various small towns that you drive through because honestly, you never know what you'll find. Uh, Atlas Obscura also has a geolocation, a geolocating function, uh, and it can show you different Atlas Obscura sites near you. And I have found that to be interesting. And a few times it helped us find Bucket of Blood Avenue, a storied place. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so, you know, I just think that, it kind of helps you enjoy the road trip a little bit more. Um, and I think that, you know, especially coming through COVID, it's nice to call ahead to places. If you're going to a dinner spot, you might want to call ahead and make sure that they're open and that they have their kitchen open late and all that stuff. Uh, but I would say preparation and just having enjoyable things to read along the way help out if you're doing a, a two-person trip. That's awesome. Matthew, what about you? Do you research? I think it's important to research, right? So like you said, you know the place is open and that relieves a bit of stress while you're driving. Am I going to have, a, is the hotel going to have a room or or whatever, right? <clears throat> and I totally second what you're saying, Clayton, about having entertaining things with you um, and so that your passenger can, you know, fiddle with the apps. But there are so many different things you can have on your smartphone these days for your passengers or uh, kidlets in the back seat to learn more about what you're driving towards or what you're driving through and atlas obscura that's um that's gonna i'm gonna download that as soon as we're finished the podcast thanks for that tip man <laughs> it's an awesome say i'm gonna tell people the best road trip advice and nobody is gonna believe me until they start nodding when you get up in the morning you all have breakfast you get in the car and you go okay our next stop will be your next stop will be in one hour you have to trust me on this 
I don't care that you want to drive for three or four hours. After everyone's had breakfast and they got moving, it's one hour. Everyone has to go pee. You got to believe me. So one hour is your 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 first stop every day, not three or four hours. Okay, that that's that's all for Mama Lorraine. Deal. I know. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it works. Okay, we have to start wrapping this up. Just the two of you going into twenty twenty three. What would you like to see if there's something we could see on the roads that would make it better for everybody and smarter for everybody? Matthew, what what would you be wanting to find in 2023? You know what? People taking your time, right, and planning ahead. So not so much new tech or anything like that, but just, you know, trying to take her easy as much as you can, leaving in time for things so that you haven't got to haven't got to rush in order to uh, in order to get there and you said it earlier, just being nicer to people sometimes on the road. So, predictable, but nice. <laughs> nice. Clayton, how about you? I think I'm going to take this one in more of a hardware direction, but I've seen a heartening amount of uh, cars that seem to be produced and designed for enjoyment, not numbers or raw sales. We have things like the GR Corolla. Uh, we have Toyota bring out the manual transmission Supra. We have cars like the manual transmission uh, Bronco that are selling well and Wranglers. Uh, and I think that seeing these personal expression cars become more popular gives me um, a, a very positive look for 2023. I think that we've kind of come through a lull of people driving for enjoyment. A lot of people have to drive to work and back and to go to the place they need to go. Uh, but I think 2023 is showing a comeback for people driving for fun and how they interpret that fun and how they uh, you know, buy, are buying vehicles that they enjoy versus a vehicle that simply satisfies their needs and has car play. So I, I like that for 2023. I'd like to see more of that. I like that too. What I would like to see is everybody being better about road sharing with pedestrians and cyclists. We all have a right to the road. I want those pedestrians and cyclists to be safe. Um, yes, I want them to go by the laws of the road like everybody else, but really we need to start sharing these spaces, everybody. There's a lot of people who can't drive. And frankly, the more people on a bike or on foot, the fewer people are in cars. So we should be making it easier for them to do that. That's what I would like to see in 2023. Less injury, less death, just more recreation and fun on our roads, as Clayton pointed out. Can't we all just get along? Exactly. It's like that. <laughs> I want to thank Clayton Seams, Matthew Guy, and Andrew McCready. I'm Lorraine Summerfeld. Please subscribe to the Driving Podcast through iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. Look for our future broadcasts or hit up our catalog of past episodes. You can also look for Plugged In and The Truck Guy. Thank you very much. If you have any feedback for future topics you want to know, let me know. I'm Lorraine Summerfeld. Bye for now. <laughs>